we're live! Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, 11.37 a.m. Central. We were supposed to go live at 12, but we went live at 10.30 instead. Look at this. We're even earlier in the day, so you guys can spend your mornings with us. So honored to have you guys in with us today. Um, Nico from Investing Against the Grain. How you doing, brother? Good to see you again. Good, man. It's good to see you. It's been a minute. It's been a minute for sure. If you guys don't follow Nicholas, make sure you go look him up. Uh, Investing Against the Grain on YouTube. He does amazing content around investing. He covers Tesla quite a bit as well. I'll have producer wife bring up his link here uh, when she has time. But yeah, man, uh, Nico and I have, uh, I feel like we're friends, you know? It's like we, we've met each other in person a couple of times. I feel like our, our uh, you know, we kick it off, our spouses kick it off. Like we just kind of like our two peas in a pot or four peas in a pot, I guess, yeah, uh, if you yeah, want to yeah. math it up correctly. So, yeah, man, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and uh, thank you for coming on. And I'm excited to talk all things Tesla, really, because the the big thing that's happening today, and then producer wife, when you get a chance, pull up the chart. I'm like having her do everything today. Uh, go ahead and pull up the chart when you get a chance. Tesla is performing really well today, Tesla stock, uh, in relative to the uh, the performance for the last few weeks and months if you want to call it it seems like the last uh week or so uh there's been a lot of positive momentum building it seems uh but i'm really curious to sort of hear your take on where you think uh tesla's going uh so uh 121.55 sitting on tesla shout out yashu uh up 7.57 percent uh, as you can see from the chart since the 27th of december we've kind of hit this uh i guess the some might call it a bottom ish area and it's sort of starting to form this um, maybe reversal. But I want to hear your thoughts. I know you were on, uh, on Tesla Herbert's channel or uh, Brighter with Herbert. Sorry, I used the old name. Uh, I think last week, Friday or Thursday sometime. And uh, you shared th some thoughts there. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, but you kind of primed me a little bit before we went live as to uh, you might have some contrarian thoughts. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Give us a brain dump and then we'll take it from there. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, first thing for anyone who's looking at me and thinks uh, I'm high or anything now, my eyes are just <laughs> red for some reason today. I get up really early Damn it. every day. So <laughs> just a heads up before everyone starts freaking out about that. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, everyone has their own ways. Anyway, I'm high. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, Tesla's high. How about that? Yeah, um, there you go. So, yeah. So I let me kick this off. I am a huge Tesla bull. I believe in the future. I think it's the biggest no-brainer there is out there. I think they're going to execute beyond belief. I think they are executing. I think the story is beyond obvious. But that story is obvious looking at a bigger time frame. I think if you try to collapse the time frame of what we're looking at with Tesla, say over the next 12 months, my views on it, I think, are a little more sobering. And and this isn't just the stock itself, but it's even the fundamentals of Tesla. And so I know there's been a lot of people who have you know slammed the tables and defended about demand issues. Are they, aren't they? Um, you know, what's going on with 4680? I know um, uh, Tesla economists is talking a lot about that. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. What we, I think, should be unequivocal is that the next 12 months, there's, let me just frame this delicately. None of this financial advice. My take on Tesla stock over the next 12 months is that odds are, I think we haven't bottomed. And I think odds are that it's going to be a rough, rough year. 
Now, I do think we end the year higher. I still think Tesla hits a volume of 2 million vehicles. I, you know, I think all that's going to happen. But if we, I, I can't like stress this enough. Everyone believes in Elon when it comes to full self-driving, when it comes to the batteries, when it comes to the mission, when it comes to everything, right? We all believe in him. If that holds true, that we believe when he says these things, if because he's been so accurate in the past and maybe his timelines aren't always accurate with, with really only a couple of things, but he's been accurate. He's been right. He's been the horse you don't want to bet against. He's been Kobe Bryant. He's been Michael Jordan. You don't bet against them. You just don't. It's foolish. If all of that holds true, then you also can't ignore the fact that this same man was just on a Twitter spaces and he was telling us prepare for a huge turnout, a huge recession, potentially as bad, if not worse than 0908. And I think you can't ignore that. I know people are getting excited because CPI is coming down. People are getting excited because that jobs number, which was hotter than what it should have been, but they saw wage, uh, wage inflation slowly ticking down a little bit, not as hot as we thought. And people are thinking, oh, this is what the Fed needs. Like, I get this whole narrative. But what's important to remember, and if you watch the All In podcast, they highlighted it beautifully. We have yet to see the actual effects of the interest rate hikes. And we still have yet to really experience what happens after the Fed stops cutting rates, which tends to be a recession. So I know it doesn't look like we're going to go in a recession. We may not. But I'm just saying when Elon's sitting there saying and Elon's really his view is really only what he directly controls and what he directly controls, even if we don't go into recession, he sees the signs for Tesla clearly. And he's telling us over the long term, it'll be very valuable, but buckle up over the next six to 12 months. And so that's why I, I just feel like everyone needs to like chill out with this whole did we bottom? Did we not bottom? I think um, Chamath said it best. Best. I would rather miss the first 15% up then get in now and just have further pain downward. And so uh, I'll stop talking a second here. So for me, take your time. What I've been, what I've been saying pretty much since we're at $200 a share is that I'm done dumping money into Tesla. I'm at a point where I'm just building up cash reserves. Now I'm just building up cash, cash, cash until I feel that it's clear that we've bottomed or we're off the bottoms and things are going to go better. But right now, I just think there's more turmoil ahead that we have to go through as much as it seems like what else could we possibly have to go through? So mm. that's kind of my take. Again, bullish over the long term, but over the short term, I'm listening to Elon. I'm listening to Chamath. I'm listening to these people who have been right over and over and over again. Do you see any signals in the sort of where you live, where you are, that kind of back up your sentiment? Uh, there's a few that that I'd, I've seen that sort of lines up with with what you're saying that could be like a catalyst for this potential uh, scenario where the economy is going to be in a in a just as bad a shape as hopefully not, but it, there could be some signs like 08 and 09. But what are you seeing anything locally or within your world that could point to that? Yeah, so. I see it in, in housing, the fact that housing prices are coming. So, all right, it's one thing for housing prices to come down. It's another thing for those prices to come down, then buyers to step in. I'm seeing prices come down and no buyers step in, which means prices are going to come down even more, right? So it's, it's almost like this, do you want to catch that, that falling knife? So, so that's one thing I'm seeing. And, and I live in an area where, you know, Real estate's really expensive. I mean, I'm essentially on an island and, you know, 
like there's there's no more land, <laughs> right? So what you buy is very valuable to begin with. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Um, I'm definitely seeing, and this is maybe a bigger concern, I think. I'm seeing people still out and spending like nothing has happened and we're still in 2019. Why is that a big issue? Because again, if you look at credit card debt, it's soaring. It's absolutely soaring. So while people can sit there and say, oh, the Apple stores are full, Tesla stores are full, all this stuff, the malls are packed. That is a, that's a, a symptom, right? That's a symptom of a bigger problem, which is everything happens to credit card debt. Um, so I, I'm seeing that around where I'm at. I would have thought that people would have been like, you know, tightening the belt a little bit, seeing where they need to cut back. I mean, again, all in podcasts, I'll tie back to them. Chamath, he drove to vacation instead of taking his private jet because he was blown away by how much his household was spending. When a billionaire is doing that, like th that's got to be a signal. That has to be a signal to us. If for no other reason, it's just a good financial habit to rein it in, clean it up, right? We got past the holidays, bring it in. Don't eat out. Don't, don't drink alcohol this month. You know, whatever else you got to do, you know, anything that you're spending money on, wait two or three days before you do it. Calculate how many hours of work you would have had to do to buy that thing. Is that worth that many hours of work, right? Like start scrutinizing these things. But, but yeah, so I, I think the signs that I'm seeing are, are a lot of those. Um, and then there, there's Tesla specifically. Look, we went from having a... I was keeping track of this towards the end of the quarter. So we had about 200 to 250 vehicles in inventory uh, within 200 miles proximity of where I'm at. It stayed there pretty much all the way up until the last two weeks. And then Tesla had the 7,500 credit and the 10,000 supercharging miles. And that started to fall off and it fell off fast. And that to me, again, kind of signals that maybe... There is, I don't want to say a demand problem in the States, but it does show you that there's a softening of demand. And I don't attribute that to a Tesla problem. I, I attribute that to where we are economically and where people might be willing to, all right, well, we'll put that extra Chipotle or that dinner out on the credit card. People are saying, all right, $1,000 a month car payment. Maybe that's not something we're willing to swing compared to putting you know a couple hundred dollars in the credit card. So it's just a lot of signals like that. And then again, just listening to the people who have been right all along. Yeah. So a lot of things there. Thank you for sharing all that. So the the I'll hit the Tesla one first and and maybe the broader economic one next. The I think the US uh softness that we saw towards the end of the year and the and the sort of price correction call that Tesla did, I really do feel like that's directly tied to the EV tax credit for Tesla specifically. Because I think Tesla buyers, I think, are very aware of the different variables that go into purchasing the car. I think they're very, um, I don't know, plugged into the world a little bit. And, and they understand that, hey, there's an EV tax credit going live in January 1st. And uh, I think what was happening was people were waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting to, to buy the car. And then all of a sudden, once they announced a $7,500 credit, which is equal to the EV tax credit, they freaking clear the inventory out. And then when I was watching the uh, the inventories actually for Tesla now, uh, it seemed like the only car that's really uh, in inventory right now in the United States between the three and the Y is the the Model Y five seater. I'm gonna send you uh, producer wife a link 
if you can bring this up, the EVCPO link, that keeps track of all the different inventories for Tesla cars. It seems like the the only car that's in inventory for uh, the between the Model 3 and the Model Y is the five-seater spec, which is um, the the one that's not getting the the incentive that's been such a big part of my channel so if you zoom in quite a bit there producer wife uh into the page and scroll up a little bit there's a there's like stuff on the left you see where it says usa on the left there uh go ahead and click that and then see if you can do a hold control and the mouse click like your your wheel in that should zoom in so if you hold control and there you go perfect yeah and then Some old people so, have bad eyes over here <laughs> <laughs> and then so this is the number of uh cars in inventory if you click on the model three so that's how many used model threes there are in inventory how many new there are in inventory in the u.s if you click on the model y yeah, so you see there's 55 used, but there's 920 uh, new in stock. And if you click on that, on the new one for the Model Y, um, th then the uh, the thing should have switched here. on the Yeah, so scroll down on the list there on the right. Perfect. So it's loading. Uh, long range, all-wheel drive. What is that? Is that all the, all the Model Ys? This is hard to read. Where, where does it say Model Y? Thank you. Well, I think because she clicked on it, it uh, it's on the long range Model Y. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So does it say how many seats there are on on here? Standard. But they're all gonna be five, right? I mean, they're all, they're all they gonna have to be five. Yeah. yeah. So if you click on a few of them, I'm sure they'll come up as five seater. So I think what we're seeing with the Tesla world is that the buyer is very aware of the um, of the EV tax incentive and any sort of inventory buildup for Tesla. I think again in the United States, I think is due to the unclear nature of the EV tax credit. Mm -hmm. So from a demand perspective, however, the, the broader picture that you painted around for the folks that listen to the all in podcast. So Chamath uh, Palahapitiya, I think is how you pronounce his last name. So much better so, than I would have done. <laughs> Please correct me if the comments, if I'm wrong, he, uh, he's a billionaire. He was the SPAC guy during the, during the sort of, uh, call it the COVID bubble. And, yeah, uh, well, just, just, uh, just to yeah. put a little nuance on that. Yeah. Chamath, he was the SPAC guy because he essentially showed how SPACs could be successful. Right? Correct. He didn't actually have any kind of janky, wonky, like no. weird SPACs. Yeah. Or like he was legit about it. Yeah, 100%. No, yeah. Thank you for providing that context. But he's somebody who has a lot of money. And sort of he's saying uh, there's a signal there that says, wow, look at this rich guy holding back spending. And I remember one of the trends they talked about on the on the podcast was austerity. Austerity was going to be a big trend that they thought for 2023. Yeah. And for those that are not familiar with that term, it's basically like holding back, like living below your means, like really just focusing on spending and what you believe. Which I think ultimately, from a from a from a finance perspective, that's just a good thing to do. Uh, just uh, just to, as a human being, it's smart to live below your means because in time of emergency, you can kind of capitalize on. Uh, you, you have the cash to be able to sort of do what you need to do, and uh, so. Him talking about that, I think, is a signal for sure. But what I'm curious, though, is how does that environment truly impact Tesla and, uh, say, the stock price, right? Because this is like this is a, these are the parallels I'm trying to figure out how to connect. Because on one hand, you could have an economy that's in really rough shape. You could have um, housing prices plummeting. You could have the Fed. If the housing pr prices plummet and the economy is really in not, not in great shape, I don't see how the Fed continues to raise rates. They're going to have to pivot at some point. They're going to have to stimulate the economy, right? Do, do you, 
when you say you don't know how they could raise the rates, are you saying to 5% or do you mean beyond 5%? So, uh, so what I, I don't even care about the number. So if, if the economy is in a rough spot and it's really getting to the point where, uh, you know, overspending, real estate getting crushed, interest rates being too high, saving rates going to crap, credit cards, uh, debt all time high, uh, <laughs> monthly car payments. If you pull up the tweet I, I posted before that EVCPO thing, uh, babe, the uh, people are paying a thousand bucks a month for a car loan nowadays. This there's a lot of signals that say the economy is a disaster is to going towards a disaster. Yeah, car payments as much as his rent. So car this is car dealership guy on Twitter. If you don't follow him, I highly recommend it. He's great. He follows the car. Uh, the car dealership industry in the United States and gives a lot of signals. Work at Chevrolet dealer dealership here in blank. Had a customer come in here wanting a 2023 Chevy Silverado LT trailer boss. Said his payment will be over $1,000 a month and said it's almost as much as his rent. Signing paperwork in finance right now, wild times. So that kind of gives a signal to what you're talking about, which is like, boy, like people are still, <laughs> and I love the reply <laughs> with the emojis, like, God damn it. Um, the people are still spending very, very, bigly if, if i want to use the term uh from our previous president which i'm not a big fan of but that's that's a separate <laughs> discussion um but how does that really impact tesla stock like why does tesla suffer in that scenario uh, help me help me connect those dots if you don't mind yeah so all right so i i agree with you as far as the ira and that being part of the reason why you know a lot of i mean especially at the end of the year right sure i i believe that but like just using common sense, okay? Just basic common sense. We see across the board, automotive uh, demand is is down, right? It's not as high as it's been. We see housing down. We see demand in general starting to come down. We see companies starting in tech laying off like crazy. Why? Well, you lay off because you don't have as much work or demand or subscriptions as you needed before. Now we see Goldman Sachs. Right now, they're doing uh, layoffs. I think JP Morgan may, may be announced today as well. Why Salesforce is that? Well, too. Salesforce as well, right? So now spreading to the finance, though. Right? Why is that happening? Because there's less MA, there's less companies going public, et cetera. So the point is not so much that it's just a Tesla thing, but just using common sense. If everything is slowing down, Tesla's not going to be immune from that. Tesla's also going to, I mean, they, 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 Tesla's in this world, right? They're in this economy. So while I agree with you, like a lot of what I think happened with the IRA or people waiting for that is a lot of the reason as to why we saw such a big buildup in the States. The truth is, I mean, just look at China. I think China's ahead of us in what is going to come. And I think China's hiding a lot of the markers, what's happening over there. But it, I just think it, it's inevitable, right? Now, that doesn't mean Tesla's going bankrupt or anything like that, right? Any of these doomsday people. But the company will probably suffer on margins. I don't think they'll suffer on hitting 50% year over year. Elon pretty much said that. He said, we'll sacrifice margin. Who cares? Let's eat the competition. And I love that. But inevitable that if that's the goal, and if what Elon predicts happens, and everything we're seeing around us, like if you just look, objectively everything is slowing down well then it's inevitable tesla slows down so from the stock perspective i think what'll well, really hit the stock and i think we might see it we might start to see it happen in january 
is that margins might be lower than what we expected. Now, I don't know if that'll actually happen, but you're talking I about the Q4 that. earnings report. Yeah. Like okay. I, you guys know me, like I, my estimates are always overly bullish, <laughs> but while I'm very bullish on my estimates, my predictions and what I think they're going to come out with and products and stuff, you know, I'm also very, you know, I think grounded and level-headed with what present day looks like in present day. We saw how much they had to spur up demand, whether it was in China, whether it's here today. I mean, now you see, I don't want to say protest, but a lot of uh, noise being made over in China about these price cuts because people feel like they got screwed over. Like what the hell? Like we want these discounts. All right. So there's, there's more noise there. So I don't know. It, it just seems to me like it's inevitable that there's probably more downside risk right now. I don't think it's a lot, but I don't think you could rule it out. And I don't think you could rule out the world is slowing down period. You know, I mean, the, the fact that you see oil coming down, right? Like that's, that's because the world's slowing down. Like there's, that's the easiest bellwether to look at its oil prices, especially with Russia out of the equation, Russia out of the equation. It was coming down with China shut down. I mean that you could say, okay, well, that's why it was happening, but I'm sorry. That's not the whole reason why it's happening it, to the point where OPEC, this is how much oil or how much the world's slowing down. OPEC has made, I think two cuts, two cuts in production yet oil is still going down, not up. Think about that. This is after two cuts of production. Yeah. So, so what does that tell you? I mean, that tells you something, not nothing. Now, again, I think Tesla over the long term, it's no brainer. I, I agree with, um, with Elon, with Ron Barron, with, with all these people who say it'll be the most valuable company ever. I just think this might be a rough six months. And, and really, hate to be that person, but as excited as I am for March 1st, it almost makes you wonder if that's a, if there's other motives behind just pure, Hey, look what we've been working on. You know, I, I think it's, it's hard to ignore that possibility. That's, those are all very interesting points. There's something else I want to show as well. That kind of talks about your, um, OPEC is cutting rates or cutting production and the price of, uh, cars are still coming down. If you can pull up this uh, tweet here, producer oh. wife, this is again from car dealership guy. This is a very interesting chart. This is, so this is specifically to the uh, to the car yeah. market. Before um, you go over this, can, please. can you explain this? Because I saw you post this and yeah. I don't know if I actually understood it. I think I did, but could you explain this? Absolutely. So this is uh, the, the columns that are coming down. These are all individual car brands. So the top is Toyota, then it's Kia, Lexus, Land Rover. Then the the horizontal, uh, call, call it length of the bar, so how long the bar is, is how many days of supply, new vehicle days of supply is out there in the United States on dealership lots for these cars. So if I take the top bar and I say, I look at Toyota, the Toyota bar is somewhere between 20 and 30. You can see the 20 and 30 in the top there, hopefully. Mm -hmm. That means that Toyota in the United States has roughly call it 25 days of supply in dealership lots, which means that if you take all the Toyota cars that are in dealership lots, add it together, and you divide it by the average number of car sales from these lots per day, then that tells you how much basically days of inventory they have on dealership lots. Uh, anything in dark blue is basically a, uh, call it a, uh, an international brand, non-domestic. Mm -hmm. Anything in green is GM. 
anything in light blue is Ford, and anything in red is Stellantis slash Chrysler, what used to be Chrysler. Okay. So what this shows is that as of November 2020, there's sort of this uh, thing starting to happen where about half of the brands called the major brands in the United States are over a healthy supply, which in, in typical car terms is 60 days. And uh, about half of them are called below healthy supply, which is below 60 days. But here's here's what's concerning about this for me from this sort of you're talking about the economy slowing down and people stop spending and all this good stuff. Uh, if you go towards the bottom half of the chart, really more technically more than half. So if you start with Chevrolet, which is the first green bar. So Chevy, Nissan, Mitsubishi, GMC, Cadillac, Genesis, Ford, Audi, Chrysler, so on and so forth. All these brands have more than 60 days of supply on dealer lots. Uh, the other, the others don't. Toyota, Kia, Lexus, Land Rover. Uh, Toyota, like the Japanese brands, international brands, tend to have a little bit leaner supply on dealer lots historically. And just FYI, fr from like if you want to compare it to Tesla, Tesla has like 10 days. They don't really report because they don't have dealerships. But if you you know kind of divide their sales by how much inventory they have usually out there, it's like 10 days. So like they are they are twice as good as the best. In, in the dealership standpoint, but that's besides the point. The reason why this is a big deal is because what did we hear in 2022 in the in the whole year? Dealer lots are empty. Dealer lots are empty, right? Like they're like I, I can't get a car. There's supply chain issues, there's chip shortages, so on and so forth. I'm like, okay, so that's that's an interesting thing. So what's happening now, and, and I'm gonna send you a different link, uh producer wife, so you can pull this up and I can kind of talk about this a little bit more in depth, is that you have Let's call it the majority of major brands in the United States have more than a healthy supply of cars in an environment where the dealership lots were empty for most of 2022. So that's number one. Now pull up the second, the last thing I just sent you. Uh, perfect. So Tesla breaks into America's best-selling cars list for 2022, but trucks still dominate. So that's that's a nice headline from CNBC. Scroll down though. Let's let's start looking at the individual brands. So. Let's go for the first one. Keep going, keep going. Ford, number one, as always, F-150. Uh, down, F-150, the Ford series, F-150 series, is down 9.9% 2022 versus 2021. Still number one. Number two, Chevy Silverado. Chevy Silverado, down 1.2%. Down. Next one, Ram pickup. Number three, down 17.7%. Go to the next one. RAV4 down 1.5%. Toyota Camry, down 5.9%. Tesla Model Y, besides the point, up 32%. First time in the bestseller top 10 list. Congratulations, Tesla. This is a trend that people should be taking notice to if you're a legacy automaker fan. Keep going. GMC Sierra, down 3%. Honda CRV, down 34%. Toyota Tacoma, down 6%. Jeep Grand Cherokee down 15%. You know, if you're in the US, you know the Cherokee is a very popular brand, down 15%. Now go back to the uh, first one I sent you the, the, with the with the bars. Why do we have most of the lots in the United States above healthy supply when the year was slated as our dealership lots are empty and every automaker is down year over year? This is a signal. It's exactly analogous to what you were talking about with OPEC oil. They're cutting production, yet their prices are still coming down. Why? Because there's a lack of demand. There's a lack of demand. This is exactly what's happened what's happening in the in the in the auto sector as well. They started the lots with empty lots. 
They've ended the lots with most of them above healthy supply, and every automaker shipped less than the previous year. That means that the amount of net cars that are being bought each year, like in 2022, was significantly less. The dealerships were selling significantly less cars in 2022 versus 2021, which goes towards the point you're making, which is, hey, people are, are not spending nearly as much. And we're also seeing that in used car prices, like freaking plummeting. My brother has been trying to sell his Chevy Volt for like three months now. It's like sitting in my... Uh, in my driveway because you know he, he lives in an apartment he doesn't have two spots and i'm like what's going on he's like dude i'm having such a hard time selling this car like nobody wants to buy the freaking car and i'm like maybe it's a chevy volt that's why he's like no way <laughs> besides the point um but yeah there's just a lot of signals so what do you have any thoughts around this because i can go keep going for two hours on this but yeah i know what you're thinking yeah uh yeah so a couple of thoughts so first of all to explain like why i was confused when i looked at this is because it almost seems like um like satire to me like it's sitting here saying healthy supply at, to the right i'm like wouldn't that be more like unhealthy like on that side <laughs> like this is like the obese line i don't know not that yeah you would think 20 there, is like healthy yeah yeah, sure. yeah exactly yeah i'm like all right um what i would say is so i agree with everything you're saying like th this is a perfect example of what i'm talking about and my whole point in everything with tesla isn't that tesla is going to look like buick tomorrow but my point is more so that tesla doesn't normally have 10 days of supply. Let's just put it to you that way. Tesla, I think in the last like, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I think normally anywhere from four to eight days of supply. So we normally see tens mm -hmm. more and we'll see what it is this next quarter, right? It, I bet you will be a little higher. And so, no, it's not going to look like Buick tomorrow or anything. But the point is that Tesla is feeling the impacts as well. And again, you don't have to take my word for it at all. Elon himself is telling you this. Like he's, he can't make it any clearer for people that there is stuff happening. He sees a huge recession coming that they will probably have to drop prices because they'd rather put volume out there than not. Like the, you can't get more direct from, you're not going to hear this from, from Tim Cook. You're not going to hear this from Benioff. You're not gonna hear this from any other CEO. Elon is telling you what he thinks. So, so that's the rationale from my mind is just looking around, seeing what's going on and understanding that Tesla operates on earth as well. Right. And so they're not immune to the impacts of, of, of the global issues people are having, you know? And, and again, if you look at this, honestly, I, I bet you look at Land Rover, Land Rover 30 plus days. I bet you that's not a normal supply for them. I bet you that's high for them. Like Land Rover, like I find it very hard to believe that they're normally that high. Right. So even though these are under the healthy bar, I would bet you that a lot of these are more supplied or have more days of supply than what they traditionally do. And no, this, it's traditionally 60 for, for legacy auto for sure. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. No, but, but there's a difference between saying a Ford or GM versus a Land Rover versus a BMW, right? Like there is a difference there. One might have a whole bunch of Honda civics or, or, um, I don't know, Ford focuses or whatever yeah. versus a 60 well, to $80,000 vehicle for a Land typically, Rover. Typically, if I recall, like I've, I've seen these charts previously, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, uh, like say 80% of these brands would be, would have a very narrow band around that healthy supply. So we'd be like between 50 and 70 for like 90% of them. And there might be one or two outliers that are like at 30 because like say that the, the brand is just taking off that year or they're like Buick, you know, which is like 120. 
from what I remember. I do think I do think most like a huge majority of automakers and anybody, I don't know if there's anybody in the comments that works in the auto industry, dealership industry, maybe legacy auto industry. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that's the case. Well, I well, yeah. Let me say it a different way then. I bet you if you looked at the same type of chart for 2021, 2020, that all of these had lower numbers and they're all growing and growing for the wrong reasons. And I would say Kathy Woods essentially hit the nail on the head with this one, essentially this time last year, where she was calling out GM saying, you keep saying chip shortages. Ford, you keep saying chip shortages. And she that's was saying, right. BS, that's not what's happening. And she That's said, right. like, eventually, you're not going to be able to use this excuse, and then you're going to have to contend with this. And I think time is proving that she was more right than wrong. You know, so, but anyways. Yeah. My bigger point, again, overall, when it comes to Tesla, it's just, and like, if you're invested, you're invested, right? Like, if so you have stock, like, ignore all this. Don't even look at your portfolio, because there's no point. Like, just wait out for long term. Not financial advice, but that's what, I, what I'm doing, what I would do. My only point of even ever even talking about the stock price really, and as far as like, did we bottom or not, is mainly for your new cash, right? If I would put all my money at $200 versus at 100, like that sucks. I missed out. I could have gotten two, you know, an extra share for every share I bought, right? So I'm just trying to at this point say, hey, I'm not trying to time anything per se, but I'd rather time what's happening with the fed what's happening with the economy what elon says you know Macro. once thing, yeah once it seems like all right things are better or things are about to be better or there's we're starting to see some positive signs then yeah. i'll go in but i don't believe in the positive signs we're seeing i would say the positive signs we're seeing are the beginning of a a potential maybe not recession but just harder times before we come out of it so okay let me let me role play a, a it makes perfect sense but let me let me role play a scenario so here's how i'm thinking about it. again this is maybe my over optimistic irrational side of me coming out and that's why i have you on who's a i think much more balanced and just has a better brain than i do so let me as let me walk you predictions my, my predictions are <laughs> i thought we we're gonna get i thought we we're Both gonna get the uh the roadster <laughs> at semi day so <laughs> um so the would you agree that most smart money, most smart big money is likely in cash right now? Do you think that's a that's a correct statement? Do you call bonds cash? Uh, I, I, I'm talking about like individual. Yeah, bonds are cash. I, I would categorize okay, bonds yes. as cash. I would say yeah. yes. Okay. Okay. Um, in an environment where there is a, uh, say, hard economic times where the economy is clearly pointing towards uh, like a downtrend. Do you think that this would be a perfect time for people that are, say, are in bonds, for people that are in cash, for people that are maybe waiting for the Fed to pivot? Do you think this would be a prime time for all these big money folks to start deploying it into companies, stocks, opportunities, that have a very clear pathway to success in the next three to five years. Do you think that thesis makes sense? Yeah, I think that's that's a hard one um, because there's like like hedge funds have a different way of doing things than mutual funds, than ETFs, and right. So everyone has like kind of a different way of how they manage their money. I would say, I would say that it's still too early, and I think people are still waiting and. I mean, again, just 
listen to the billionaires, you know, like just listen to Chamath, listen to David Sachs. Like, I mean, they are, when it comes to billionaires, they're like the most open that we can get into the psyche of what they're thinking, what they're doing compared to Elon. Like there, there's, there's really no one else like that out there. Maybe like a, a Grant Cardone, but that's a whole different world. But we don't hear from, from many people, but I would say it's still probably too early. I would still be more in the austerity camp. Uh, to your point before, I would be, I would be getting rid of any expenses I don't have. Try to get rid of any debt I have. If if you still have margin, I, I, I would be. God I don't know. That, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's like yeah. it, you're probably teetering on that line on getting wiped out at this point. Um, you know, even when you hear um, depends when you got you hear, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but as you say, even when you hear Emmett. So they're saying, you know, he had such a small amount of margin and now, you know, it's like, all right, well, it's not something he can just ignore now. Like it's went from small to now it's like, Hey, it's not nothing, you know, yeah. it's, it, it opens your eyes, you know? So I think, I think maybe, so, so here's the thing. Everyone I think right now is getting psyched that CPI might come in at or better than expectations on Thursday. I don't know if that's the case. Expectation is to go from seven one to six five. That's a big drop. That's not a little drop. But if you're seeing all these cars like not being bought, if you're seeing all the houses not being bought, if you're seeing like all these different things that are that are uh, sort of trending up where people are truly holding back, doesn't that just like I'll use an example? Like every time I go to HEB, which is our local grocery shop, the bill's lower and lower every time. Every time the same stuff I get, I'm like, it used to be 200 bucks. Now it's 180. Now it's 160. Now it's 150. Now it's 140. I feel it as a regular person. Don't you think this? I mean, this has to be part of the near term trends too, right? The problem is that stuff lags in the data that the Fed looks at. So, like housing lags, I think, again, I'm kind of pulling a number out of my ass, but I think it's like four to six months where, where it lags. And again, you can just look at the reports and compare it to, real life, you know, and, and look at the jolts numbers, compare that to, to everything else. I mean, like you, you can just see all the data out there and you can see that what lags, but like even card, I mean, it, it might be inflated just because we just got done with the holidays, you know, like sure you have discounts to an extent, but you also have people spending more than they would before. I mean, I, my, my point is to go from seven, one to six, five, six, five is a number that analysts put out there estimators put out there mm-hmm. the problem is if it comes in at six six the market's not gonna like that the market's mm-hmm. gonna take a beating why because this arbitrary six five number and, and I've, I've argued about this on my channel a million times when jerome powell keeps saying yeah we're you know we, we it came in harder than we expected all that who cares about expectation number i think it's the most ig- ig- just ignorant thing to focus on it's like oh we picked this number and we either hit or we miss it we went from nine one down to seven one on CPI. Like clearly we're headed the right way. Who cares if you miss it by point one or whatever? It's like it's lower. That's 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 the main thing. But the market doesn't think that way. The market will react. And even if we do get a good CPI print, I guarantee you Jerome Powell's gonna come out sounding hawkish again because he's essentially at he's in the red zone with this. He's not going to let up now. He's not going to give Hopium back to the markets right now when he's in the red zone. It's the red zone. He's ready to make the playoffs. Like he's, I don't see him backing off on his red now. And I think he's going to 5%. And anything that we see from housing, it lags in the data. So no one can really point to that to real destruction other than 
people like Jeremy Siegel, who's banging on the table like we are, saying, look at the real data. Look what's currently so, happening. Stop waiting for it to make it into the numbers. So I guess what, what comes to my brain, and again, I think I, I love that you and I are on the opposite sides of this because the, the, where I'm standing is like, I think I think if the economy does turn for the worse, I think it will happen quite quickly. I think there's going to be signals that start appearing because you have this sort of like thing that's starting to be unwound. And and if I use my regular everyday anecdotal experiences, like what I'm using to try and figure out where this is going to go, um, I think it's going to happen quite quick, quickly. Like if people are not buying homes and if people are not buying cars, this is a huge signal that says like, yo, people are broke. <laughs> like people are not spending money. If we're not like, cause these are two things, these are the two primary things, especially in American life, house and a home. This is like the American dream house and a home. If people aren't buying the American dream, like they're not buying a lot of things. Right. And so in the same way that I, th I thought the fed was like pivoted on their stance from, you know, what was it? What was the freaking word they were using entrenched? No, it was transitory. Thank you that was a very fast pivot. Like it caught the mar market by surprise because people were like, yo, it's not transitory. It's not transitory. Like it's transitory. And then after like nine months, they were like, oh shit, not transitory. Right. I just don't see how this, this doesn't happen again with the Fed. Whereas like people are like, yo, you are over tightening. You're over tightening. You're over tightening. They're like, nah, nah, but, we're good. Yeah, go ahead. But they, they've talked about that. Trump has been very explicit about that. He would rather send us into a recession than run the risk that they stop raising rates or they cut. But that's rates my early. point. That's my point. My point is that is that there's going to be a quick, a, a sudden shift. Th this is sort of how I'm thinking about it. And so when the sudden shift happens, and I don't know if it's going to be, and this is where you and I have to kind of like maybe play through when this is going to happen, how it's going to impact Tesla stock. Um, and again, this is we're two amateurs on the internet openly talking about this, trying to figure out what's going on. Please don't don't take anything we say as financial advice. We're morons, okay? Please, I beg of you. I'm a moron. He's not I'm, a moron. I'm, I'm not going to call. I was going to say I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> but the I, I feel like when that happens, it's going to deploy all those people, all those big money people who are very good at managing money that are in bonds that are in cash i think it's going to deploy those folks it's going to be the signal that says okay put the money in the thing that's going to return the most amount of uh, uh money in the next three to five years right and I, I don't see how tesla doesn't benefit from that and this is where my sort yeah. of like medium term thesis is for tesla is like once the once the fed says yep i'm ready to go I'm ready to pivot. My bad. Sorry, everybody. We've literally forced you to lose your jobs. Our apologies. Sorry for ruining your life, basically. Freaking 12 people get to decide how people's livelihoods turn out, which is freaking mind-blowing to me. That's a whole different video. Once they decide that people can uh, start borrowing money cheaper, <sighs> companies like Tesla, companies like, you know, companies that are growing with super strong financial uh, very strong balance sheets, low debt, high cash, cash, something that's becoming much more expensive nowadays in, in the standpoint of Tesla. I just don't see how those companies don't benefit tremendously, regardless of the landscape of the world. Because even, even if there is a recession, you know, global car figures might go from 100 million per year to, I don't know, 60 million per year, 50 million per year. There's still going to be people buying cars, right? And they're not going to be buying the thing that's going to be depreciating in value more fast than the than the EV, call it in the gas car, right? I don't know. Yeah, This is sort of where my so, head's at. What are you at? Yeah, so let me like, 
let me kind of play devil's advocate. I kind of agree with what I'm about to say, but I also kind of don't. So my, my devil's advocate to that would be, so you're saying eventually the Fed's going to see a signal that things are so bad and they're going to be forced to do something. Yes. I completely agree. That's how it tends to always happen, right? The thing, but going back to my initial point about, you know, be careful Tesla stock right now. Like, and again, this is, if you own it, like, there's nothing to be careful about. Like, you know, you're down 80%. <laughs> you just hold on to it for a long term, <laughs> right? Thesis is still intact. But it, in the next six, 12 months, we obviously haven't hit that pain point where the Fed is pivoting yet. So that means just by that, things probably will still get worse. Just based on what you're saying right there, right? Like things clearly aren't bad enough right now for the Fed to stop doing what they're doing. And the Fed is going to keep raising rates because they think they're on the right track. And right now, it looks like they are. People are now talking about a soft landing and, you know, all this stuff that's happening. And, you know, the Fed's like moving from one topic to the next topic as far as what they what they care about, right? But don't you think it's already priced into Tesla though? Like like what you're describing of the say, you know, what's the terminal rate? 5%, 5.1? What the okay. hell is it at now? Yeah, I think five to five two, I think. But so, okay, so th this is gonna be my second point, and I I don't really agree with this this time, but <laughs> this time's different. <laughs> Normally, the market bottoms after the Fed has pivoted, not before. Okay. So if that's the case, then I don't know if everything's baked into it. But but the and market it, is not. I mean, but do you think individual stocks are the market? Like, don't you think there's going to be outliers in that market? And why wouldn't Tesla be one of them if it's already like, like, and, and this comes again, this comes from the, from the standpoint that I'm at. And again, this is short term, like it's impossible to predict, but like, I feel like Tesla has had an outsized downward spiral <laughs> since October that hasn't really tracked the market. So what my gut's telling me is that what could happen to the market based on what you described very astutely, and I, I honestly, I agree with you, things will probably get worse macro-wise. But when you're talking about the individual stock, I just feel like, I don't know, man, like anything is possible, but, okay. you know, tell me this. Tell me this. Yeah. why won't the stock go lower? I, I, because I think, I think there's too many positive things about the stock and everything humanly possible that could have been uh, say a negative catalyst for Tesla and the story. I can't think of anything else that could be bad for Tesla outside of say Elon gets kicked out of the company or God forbid, he's no longer able to work for whatever reason uh, at Tesla. I don't know what else, you know, the margin story is baked in, the demand fear is baked in, the China fear is baked in, freaking recessions baked in, the Fed uh, low, uh, increasing rates is baked in, uh, potential recession is baked in. I, f I think it's baked in. I don't know. You tell me. Because every time those negative headlines come out, boom, the stock takes a freaking 8% dive. You know? Do you yeah. think I'm wrong? So, so don't let my passion I don't, I don't, over, over, overrule you, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're wrong. I, I'm just more so in the, the camp of what can go right to make it go up? Because I haven't seen anything going right to make... I would be shocked if after these quarterly earnings, Tesla stock goes up. I can't tell you the last time after an earnings call, it went up. And if it hasn't on the last Which few, is a signal that it will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, I, I don't want to be right. I, I'd rather be wrong. Are you kidding me? But, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's... 
Like I remember there was one call, maybe it was Q3. I think it was Q3 earnings. I don't know. No, Q1 earnings, maybe. I don't know. It was one of them. And it was amazing. The stock was reacting. The stock was up $20, $30. And then Elon started talking about the robo-taxi and the bot. And I'm just sitting there listening to Rob on his live stream. And I'm like, oh my God, the stock must be at 60 now. Nope, it went to negative 20. And I'm like, what? How does this mm. make any sense? Like this, this is unreal. I was like, this is the most amazing call ever. And the stock is tanking. Like, so, well, that, that was so, the call where he was hyping up all the stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he sold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like literally it was up, up, up. And then you saw it down. I'm like, what is happening here? But, yeah. but so I don't know what can make it go up at this point. And I think it's only macro. Berlin, Austin, FSD, investor grade. I mean, everything in 2020. There's so many things that Gary Black's list. Essentially, all the things that have happened were negative catalysts, not positive catalysts for Tesla. Mm. So my whole thing is like, what's it? What's going to make it go up and keep it from going down? As far as going down, if Elon decides he's not CEO anymore and he just wants to take a, a different position within Tesla, that could send it down. Which I don't if, think that's going to happen. No, but, yeah. but I'm just but saying, saying like, that's it a could. Variable. It could, yeah. yeah. Like we don't know what is exactly happening. I don't think it's going to happen either. Can we do a thought exercise? Possible. Yeah. Let's do a thought exercise. So let's, can you think of what would send it lower and what would send it higher? And let's, yeah. let's do that in the comments as well. So let's, let's make this into like a freaking workshop. Let's leverage the 1100 people that are watching this. Thank you so much. And we'll come up with a poll too, to figure yeah. out how we can do this. So well, based on where we are now, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, let's focus on, on things going down. Cause that's less fun. And then we go can focus it. on the fun stuff. Cause that's Love where it. Save the best we'll for last. Yeah, that's, that's what, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let's start with things. So on the comment section, sorry. So in the comment section, uh, think of things right now where we are today that if they, if that are potentially likely to happen for Tesla stock that could send it lower. Go ahead. Yeah. So for me, again, I'll just use Tom Zhu. Zhu? 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 Yeah, I love how everybody you gotta love that. Like everybody's like trying to learn this and try to say yeah. it right. Like it's it's awesome. Time. Matt Smith knows how to say it right. He's he, yeah. he knows Mandarin, I think. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes his audio is. It seems like his audio always breaks up right when he's saying like, ah, don't know how he said that. Um. So so that could send it down. I mean, that could send it up too. You never know. But it just seems to me like if Elon's not CEO, the market sees as an issue. Some might see it as like, hey, key man risk. The other thing too is people might think it's a, the narrative can be spun that, oh, here comes China uh, infiltrating Tesla, sending whatever over to focus on US. And I mean, right, they can spin it however they want. So I think so that's sorry. One. And then also, and, and give a percentage chance of that happening as well. So Tom Drew being announced as CEO and, and Elon stepping down, that's your first negative thing? Is that yeah. what it is? So what's yeah, the percentage that, likelihood of that? 10%, 15%. Okay. Yeah, what's another no, one? No, not high. Uh, another one could be during this this quarterly earnings. And I don't want to scare people here. I really think this is going to happen. Elon is a person who he says a lot repetitively. Because he says what's on his mind and what he currently thinks. He doesn't tend to fluctuate. If you listen to any of his interviews or anything, like I could I could give you an example of an Elon interview, what he talks about, whatever, during the time of year because it's what he's thinking about. Well, during that Twitter spaces, 
where he openly expressed what he was thinking about Tesla and recession, all that. I think that a lot of that type of conversation might come up on the earnings call. And if he's point, painting Tesla in somewhat, or not so much Tesla, but just saying that it's going to be a tougher time out there, whatever. And he'll say, same thing he said on Twitter spaces, Tesla will be able to weather the storm. We'll drop price if we have to for volume. That's why we have all this cash on hand, right? He'll paint Tesla like with the reality, but I would be shocked if Elon does not say what's on his mind. And he doesn't start talking about that. And that spooks Wall Street, right? Like, Because they'll say, oh, Elon must be seeing demand issues. And that's why he's saying all this. And so I, I think the conversation on the earnings call, just that alone, things said, could send the stock lower. So to me, that's a 80% chance of happening. I can see that. I can see that. What else? Anything else that's negative? Um, as far as earnings themselves um margins i could see margins taking a hit now there's a lot of smart people out there who are doing i mean we're on some some uh some group messages together where you know there's people breaking it down how like some of these margins might not actually be hit because of production efficiencies and all this stuff which could be very true i honestly haven't dug too much into it. i got so many other projects i'm working on right now that i haven't had time to deep dive on it but I could easily see that being an issue because again, it's all about the narrative that gets, gets printed. And unfortunately wall street really doesn't care beyond 12 months, but beyond four quarters. And so if they see margins coming down, well, they're going to say, okay, here's Tesla coming back down to, to down to earth with their margins, law of big numbers. The more they sell, they're going to have to drop the prices to get the demand. And it's just inevitable. Right that could be it. And even if it's like a 1% miss on margins or half a percent, it's, it's the narrative that gets printed that moves things. And, and again, this isn't me being a naysayer. It's just being pragmatic. How many times do we have to see this before we know what's going to happen before it happens? Right. It's mm -hmm. been the same thing over and over and over again. So that would be the, the next thing for me. And as far as something like that, I'd say it's 60, 70% chance. Okay. What about positive? So there's three negatives, right? So there is uh, Tom Drew being um, announced as Tesla CEO, Elon stepping down 10%, 15%, very low. I would put that at like negative, not negative, like 0.01%. Like I think that is, I think Tom Drew being uh, announced as the head of automotive is, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll, it'll be announced in the quarterly earnings. So I will put that at like, so that's a positive catalyst for me as an example. Tom Drew being... Yeah. Uh, 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 the automotive head to me that's a positive catalyst because oh, it retains I agree. elon yeah yeah I, i'm so just saying how the market will see it no a hundred percent yeah yeah but i think the market will see it as positive because it's like you said one of the one of the um fears was uh second in command strong number two you know elon's taking on all these things like who's going to be there to try and help the company you know move forward and and sort of these times of recession and stuff you need somebody who has a proven track record you remember you know? that CNBC article you just had up about Tesla jumps into the top 10? Number six. Yeah, number six. Yeah, but Ford or but trucks still lead, right? Mm -hmm. so you see how like even when there's good news, they still manage to do something. It's it's on and on with Tesla, right? So the, the headline for that, it's simple. Tesla brings in Tom Zhu to help issues at giga texas and giga berlin yeah. from a horrible oh by the way he's a communist <laughs> yeah, oh yeah yeah throw that in there like 
you know, it's, I mean, you can go on and <laughs> okay. on. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. The negative spin for sure. For I, I can see yeah. the negative spin, but I, I do think, I guess within the context of like, if, if it's a catalyst, I, maybe the jury's out, but I, I do feel like, um, I, I feel like net net, it would be a positive catalyst because it does put to rest some of the fears that it seems like wall street has about tesla's call it succession plan or ability to have a number two that's going to be able to drive the business without it in their head like a perception right doesn't matter reality is very different from 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 what's being perceived right the reality is that tesla's fine <laughs> more than fine perception yeah. is that it's not so I, for some reason good I, I will say just my own personal opinions i don't think he would be the successor to elon i don't think so either yeah no uh, 100% agreed. Yeah. And we can talk about the successor too, but um, I think it's like JB Straubel. I think he would come back anyway. We, that, that's a whole different discussion. So that's, well, that's, I think that's one uh, positive callus that could also be spun as a negative. Then the other negative you said was um, Elon with scary talk on quarter four earnings call about recession. And, you know, this is going to be a rough year. We're doing everything we can to prepare. We have a very good financial stability. If we're going to choose between margins and volume, we're going to choose volume, right? So there's a lot of like verbiage that could come up. That honestly, I think that's like a 99% chance that kind of verbiage comes out on the Q on the Q4 call because he already did it on the space, yeah, on the Twitter exactly. space, and I think it's a primer. So I, I agree with you there. I think that's a that's a that's a negative catalyst for sure. And then the third one was margins, right? So Q4 margins um, being coming in softer than expected because of the price cuts and go ahead yeah i was just gonna say and again it's not again like I, I can't say this enough like i'm not a bear or anything like this i'm just trying to be pragmatic here yeah yeah the the, the thought like because I'm, I'm sure you're gonna comment saying oh it doesn't even matter if tesla goes down to 20 percent because they're 4x the next company like sure. i get that i 100 get that. i agree with you the point is what happens with the noise of it right it, it lends this impression like why are their margins coming down? Why is their demand coming down? And yeah. There's never the, uh, well, look at Ford, look at GM, look at there. Like there's never that comparison. Yeah. It doesn't exist within the world of Tesla. Where is wall street's head at versus what they say is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Got like, th like they don't bring in the context. Okay. They delivered 40%. You've never seen an article says, well, we got to have nuance here. Understand about the shutdown. You never see that. There's right. no article from Wall Street that says anything like that. Yeah. So, so any argument so you true. make in the comments about a nuance, we agree with you. I agree with you. But the stock market does not. The stock right. market doesn't care. Yeah. Stock market is very black and white in the short term. It's like ultra black and white. There's no nuance. I 100% yeah. agree. Okay. So that was three negative catalysts. What are what are three positive catalysts that you could see in the, in the near term? Okay. So, all right. <laughs> I'm already... Getting, getting uh, ready. <laughs> uh, producer wife's going to disagree with me on this one. Maybe, maybe. Let's see. 11.3 FSD beta. Okay. I think that could be a huge catalyst. At some point, at some point, big money is going to see what's happening. And I feel like they're going to be like, all right, besides ARK Invest. But at some point, I think big money is going to see what's happening. They're going to be like, oh my God. Like this is not far away from prime time. Like this is really close. And 11.3 might be that, that turning point where people start saying, you have to go try this now. 
you know, just to do your own analysis, right. To, to whoever, right. To whatever portfolio manager, whatever hedge fund manager, like, you know, whatever investment, Gary Black. You know, yeah. A Gary Black, a, a Blackstone, whatever. Shout out Gary. People are going to be like, you have to go experience this. You know, I mean, again, I, if you haven't watched uh, Farzad and, and producer wife's last video, I mean, it's honestly one of my favorite things to do is uh, watch, watch them. Uh, me and my wife, we do it uh, like, I think Saturday morning. It's normally when we watch like our long form YouTubes together, but it's so much fun watching you guys. It's like, we sit there and we have our reactions and, and yeah, she's like, Oh, you know, I, yeah. It's like, sometimes she's like, Oh, Farzad was, was too conservative there. I'm with Cindy. And other times I'm like, what are you talking about? Like we get in like debates about what you guys are talking about. Yes. So, <laughs> the uh, content is working. <laughs> She said, uh, producer wife in the comments said, when FSD stops spiking my anxiety, it's good to go, LOL. So you think version 11.3 could be that? It, might, it could be, yeah. okay. I mean, because okay. we're not getting 11. We're not getting 11.1. Like, they're, they are, I think, are going to be a lot more careful on releases because there's hundreds of thousands of people using this now. So they're not just going to be, it's not going to be like the, the beta of pass, I don't think. You know, where it's like okay. a couple hundred people using it. It's, it's hundreds of thousands now. So I think it's going to be a pretty solid release. And as far as her anxiety, has has she ever used FSD herself? No. I think it's a lot more relaxing when you're behind the wheel. Very true. Because you're in control. You can yeah. feel you're in control. I, I can see that. I think that's what we'll do. Like once, once she feels like once she gives it a 9 out of 10 as a passenger... I'm going to, we should switch seats and put her behind the wheel and say, okay, now that you feel comfortable as a passenger, how do you feel as a quote unquote driver of this software? And I think you're right. I think what's going to, I think she might be able to like conceptualize just how insane this is that you you literally feel like you're driving, but you're not. Uh, And I'm sure she does already, but it will really bring it to reality. Um, I mean, I, I get more anxious when I just drive as a, or when I'm in a passenger seat, wow, passenger seat, period. In anyone's car, I'm right. more like because you don't trust you no over there. Man? <laughs> yeah, well, especially when you're like you don't have the steering wheel in front of you. Like I'm not used yeah. to being the passenger. Seat you're anymore control freak. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just yeah, and you see people driving. You're like, why are you making so many lanes changes? Like, just chill out. Like, that's how accidents happen. Like, just chill. Yeah. Okay, so 11.3 potential near-term catalyst. Yeah, see, that's that's an interesting one because I I agree with you, but I'm for I'm forcing myself to be more, uh, I guess, conservative or pessimistic on the progress of full self-driving. Because if I'm surprised by that progress, then nothing will make me happier. Because yeah. because if if the market does realize it and if they start jumping in based on that technology, the implications of this for Tesla's long-term financial sort of valuation are incomprehensible, right, yeah. at, at present time. So, um, but but you think there is a chance. So what's the percentage chance that this becomes a positive catalyst in, say, the next three months? 10%. Okay. So kind of like in the same realm as Elon stepping down and Tom Ju t- yeah. taking over. And, and that's okay. just because in the next three months. Aren't, yeah. It's just mainly because people still aren't paying attention to it. Um, I heard an interesting stat, which I didn't really realize. Um, I think it was uh, Herbert who who mentioned it, but like Apple with the iPhone, the stock didn't react for the first four years that the iPhone was out. And well, it was, was also kind of sh- a massive recession. Yeah, true. Which, hey. Yeah. Huh. Oh, shit. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Did we just figure this out? <laughs> yeah. 
See, Jeez, all that's these, kind of ominous. That's ominous. Tesla cell phone comparisons, like this yeah. is why they're so gold. That's kind but, of uh, anima. Uh, yeah, ominous for sure. But it took people so long to realize like what the iPhone meant and that yeah. it wasn't just another phone. And people still like, I mean, I guess that's more of a comparison to test to an EV versus an ICE car. But with full self-drive, like people still like they don't understand. Like they're like, yeah, wait. I mean, even hear Gary Black talk about like Waymo and Cruise and like, yeah, they have services out there. Cool. That's not the hard part. I, I think Tesla could have hundreds if not thousands of services and small little geos all over the country tomorrow if they wanted to no problem but that's not solving the real problem and that's them with a whole bunch of training wheels on to solve the real problem and it and, and that's the part that people i still aren't appreciating yet it's like um all right so sorry we're gonna get a, a little little nerdy here go for it like chat chat gpt everybody's extremely excited about this and Again, all in podcasts, they did a great job to highlight this. So just think of chat GPT like Tesla's neural nets. Okay. I'm going to simplify this. So chat GPT is getting all of its data from, from crawling the web, right? Crawling the internet, getting as much data as they can because, hey, the data exists out there. And for companies that know how or have the compute ability, it's really easy to crawl the internet. Not that hard. Now, on the All In podcast, if you watched it, they did kind of trivialize it a little, or Chamath did. It's not like any company can just go out there and create their own chat GPT because it's not just about the data. It's about also creating the engine to make sense of all that data and understanding how to use that and then creating training models. So there's definitely a lot more to it. It's not like Google can just come out with this, Microsoft, you know, tomorrow. Not happening. But the point is the data is out there to get. Anybody can get it if, if you have the compute and the abilities, the resources, et cetera. The part that I still think that Tesla's so undervalued on is that you know how difficult it is to get all that data for FSD? It is essentially impossible for everyone else. It's impossible. Meanwhile, Tesla's getting more and more data every single vehicle they sell, right? And then, and then to my point from before, that's not even the hard part. That's not even the hard part. It's the engine. It's being able to take all the data from that data lake, that data warehouse, and be able to take it, sift through it, make sense of it, put it into an application that works, and having that right project autonomy, the labeling, all that, being able to do that. So they don't even have the data, let alone the ability to get the data, let alone this engine, let alone the train. It's, so all these things people are missing. And it's the most obvious thing in the world right now for anyone who understands how any artificial neural nets, deep learning happens. And it's, again, it's why I keep like banging my fist on the table about it and why I love it. And I don't really know what my point was with all this. But my point is, <laughs> if you love ChatGPT and you think ChatGPT is amazing, if you're not using it at work or in life in general, like it's, it's, so sick. it's an amazing assistant. It's like, why would I use Google when I can just get the answer? <laughs> right? Like, so true. But um, but if you're impressed with ChatGPT, put that on steroids. Put put the challenge of the problem on steroids, and that's what Tesla is doing. So, so yeah. So yeah. again, I think the market's missing it. I think people just don't understand it yet. So that's why I give it a ten percent chance. Ten percent chance in the next three months that the market's going to realize potentially that that version eleven point three for full self driving will be the catalyst for the market, the positive catalyst, the positive catalyst for the market if. 
your and I's thesis is correct about the game-changing nature of this technology, that they'll start to view it as like, oh my God, this is going to be great for the stock long-term. Right. And, and the way that would happen in three months is that someone like Omar or someone does something, some clip or whatever that goes viral, and all of a sudden everybody sees this and everybody somehow knows now about what Tesla does, kind of how ChatGPT went viral. If that same effect happens, then I think we would see some, some movement in the stock. Okay, so that's one. What's what's another one? What's another positive catalyst? Um, all right, another positive catalyst will be if if it well, you said three months, right? So in three months, we will have Q one delivery numbers. So if that number is close or above five hundred thousand, I think that'll be a huge signal. You think it could be five hundred thousand Q one right. deliveries? It's gonna have to be pretty close to that if we're gonna hit two million this year. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's but it, there's a ramp though, right? There's a ramp through Q4. True, but they have the ability to do that now, a number like that, or at least yeah, because they're producing four forty three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, so you think a five hundred thousand production number for Q1 could be a positive catalyst? Yeah. Okay. What? Uh, what? Um. I think you're right because then that that basically guarantees if it continues through the end of the year that guarantees 50% growth. Okay, I see that yeah, in production at least in the slowest quarter. Okay, what what are the percent chance that you see uh, half a million produced in Q1? Given all your macro fears and stuff. Well, half. Uh, well, product. I think they're going to produce no matter what. Um, I think also, I, like, I agree with you, it will be more of a ramp. So, like, maybe in, in Q1, they produce, like, 460, right? And then, like, Q2, they do, like, 490. And, they, you know, eventually by the end of the year, they're at, like, 6, 6.5, something like that, right? Or 650,000, like, something like that production-wise. I, I could see that happening. But, yeah, so I a high number on production, uh, I'd give that, like, a 60% chance. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I could um I think it's interesting because I agree with you. They they have they have two million per year installed right now. They they have it installed in the in the in the really the the, the factory chain called the, the the capacity chain for the for the for the company. So it's it's not entirely out of the question. I think what I'm what I'm tracking is like okay, so it's it, A, it's it's highly dependent on China running full bore for every single day without any COVID lockdowns, without any, uh, say, uh, variables that could throw it down because of whatever. So so what are two things that were removed from China in Q4 that, that were actually huge? Number one, or in Q, and really part of Q1. Number one, COVID should no longer be a problem moving forward. We're still going through it, but into the next, at least say Q2 at, at the for sure, COVID is no longer a problem from a standpoint of disrupting industry in china so that's a huge positive for tesla and others and then the other one which if if this is correct would be a, a, a very big positive catalyst is with the price reduction in china theoretically you should now be your production rate should be much more closer if not at or potentially slightly below hopefully a bull would say the demand for the region which says that every car they produce out of china uh, for say at least Q1 and Q2 will be sold to a customer because of those price decreases, which implies that if China has, I think the uh, fully max uh, run rate is 1.2 million per year, 
I believe using the latest numbers, correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, uh, if, if that's incorrect, but so that implies a giant number for Q1. Then you got Austin ramping, you got Tom Drew at, at Austin helping out, and you got Berlin continuing on the ramp to 5,000 units per week. Uh, and then you got Fremont at capacity, basically. So if you add all those numbers up, there's 2.1 million out of, uh, 1.2 million out of Shanghai, call it 650,000 out of Fremont. So that's 1.8. So all you need is uh, 200,000 per year capacity out of Berlin and Austin. Um, that would already put it, you know, that's 100,000 per year. You divide it by 50, that's 2,000 a week. They're both already at 3,000 per week. So the math checks out. The math checks out to half a million per, per year. The big catalyst for me is that at some point, once Tesla say there is a demand shortfall and they have to correct it with price at some point because they use q3 and q4 to end the wave and you know if we take them to the word fill the the transportation and the and the pipelines with vehicles at some point the production and delivery number will match up moving forward because they've they've put the cars into the the, the pipelines right which implies that if say q1 or q2 they come out with a 460 470 480 500,000 production figure if the delivery if what they say is true that they've right sized the price for the demand then that delivery number should be bang on with that production number because they filled the pipelines for the last three, two mm -hmm. quarters which could be a giant positive catalyst so yeah. i agree with you there but so what's the percentage chance of that happening 60 percent you said for the production number yeah i would say 60 percent. i mean like okay. and the reason i would say that's so low is just because We've got the Chinese New Year's, uh, you know, this is normally the time that they stop and they work on maintenance all, all over the world, right? So it won't just be mm -hmm. in Shanghai, it'll be Fremont, it'll probably Berlin, um, Austin. If they, you know, in Austin, who knows what, what they try to do there as far as, you know, rejiggering things around, um, especially since that's such a new place. Uh, Berlin as well. I mean, it, there, there's all kinds of things that can come up, you know, so. Okay. But yeah, I think I think just what matters is a strong Q1 that is better than Q4. I, I think that's all that really matters and to show that we're in the right direction for that 2 million. And I think above 450 is is that signal. Okay. And then uh, last, la give us your last positive catalyst. All right, all right, all right. So this one is- uh, You're excited to share this one. Yeah, yeah, okay. On March 1st, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint you a narrative. On March 1st, Tesla will announce that they are opening up three new gigafactories. Mexico, maybe. Canada, maybe. Jeez. South Korea, maybe. Japan, maybe. You know, who, who knows? Um, there's another country for some reason. Uh, Indonesia, maybe. Who knows? Three factories. And in these three factories, they will be making not the three, not the Y, not the X or the X they will be making the new platform vehicle of which they are ready to get going as soon as the buildings are built. And they probably are going to start building these vehicles sooner. They probably already have something going on in Austin or in Texas or in uh, China as well. Uh, like maybe mm -hmm. it's a, a mock-up line, kind of like we saw Cato for the batteries. This is the RoboTaxi compact car. Yes. This and, 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 it will be priced at $20,000. And the reason I think 20,000 now is because they've dropped the Model 3 down to essentially 33,000 in China. And that only stands the reason that it's because 
it's going to make sense. It won't cannibalize a $20,000 vehicle. That's a $13,000 price difference. So <laughs> that is, uh, you know, optimistic Nick, uh, bull Nick, you know, like prediction crazy Nick. Okay. Something like that or some of that, whatever, however it could happen, would happen. And the most important part, most important part is that this will be on time. This will not be delayed. This is not three years out, four years out. This will be a product that's on time and delivered either at the end of 2023 or sometime in 2024. Okay. So I love what you say. <laughs> it sounds incredible. I'll say that. So I think, I think what's interesting about that is I think regardless of how many gigafactories they announce, I think what's more important, I think what's more realistic. Well, let me, before I'm going on my tirade here, well, I'm not what's your being uh, realistic. <laughs> so what percentage chance would you put that entire picture you just outlined? What what percentage chance of that happening in the next three months? Oh, the yesterday. That entire picture happening? Yeah. 1%. Portions of that picture, I, I place higher odds on it. What would you put the highest odds on of those that you described? Like what's the most likely out of like those things you just described? That gets announced on March 1st. I would say more than one gigafactory gets announced. You think that has a high, You think that's a higher likely ch higher likelihood chance than the robo taxi platform being in production? Yeah, I I'm conflicted on like what we read in that in that release. Can you pull I it up, like wife? It's that uh, the 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 investor day thing on Discord. Go ahead. I feel like Elon has said multiple times that you know in different occasions that you know this isn't. Um, the platform for product release or announcements or something of the sort. And I feel like if they're going to release a, a actual vehicle that I don't think this is how they would do it with, with all this other stuff wrapped around it. I feel like you would have it be its own event. You know, mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but it's just something about that just feels like, like they might talk about it, give a little more details about the, the, you know, third generation platform, but I just feel like this is more of like a investor day or not even investor day, a like, maybe this is just about master plan part three and that's mm -hmm. all this is about, right? Like maybe this is the unveiling of that, you know, but it doesn't feel like it's the event for the third generation platform to me. So, so, he, so here, here's where this is an interesting thing to th think through because the point you made around this car being on time and being in the works is i think i don't know how much of a benefit tesla would get by pre-announcing this model too far in advance because of just how many people the raw number of people that would be interested in this like i think it's okay i think tesla learned a lesson with the cybertruck at, at uh 2019 when they announced it that you know COVID kind of saved their ass. And I think COVID also like, you know, impacted how quickly they could bring this to market. But that that's a long time for people to wait. Uh, that's a, yeah. that's and that's 1.5 million people. If you pre-announce this compact car and let's say it is around that $20,000 mark in China, let's be clear, in China, because the starting price for the Model 3 in China is 33000 And Tesla very openly has said that RoboTaxi platform, take it to the world or not, believe it or not, or if you want to trust them or not. They've said they think they can get up to a 50% reduction in cost. So that implies a 50% reduction in price if they want to keep similar margins, right? So that's a 
$20,000 car, like, like you said. So if that becomes reality and they open up the floodgates for people to reserve, that's millions of people in a, in a reservation line that could be waiting years yeah. to get their car, right? That And then that type of person, like if I think about like uh, the, the different sort of, um, you know, right or wrong, there's different, there's sort of like, you got people that have a lot of money, people that have less money, people that have less money, you kind of work yourself down, right? I don't know if people would be willing to part ways with money for two to three years when as a percentage of their total net worth, that money is much more than say somebody who places an order for a Cybertruck or somebody who places an order for like a Model Y or Model 3. It's a different subset of the population. And I think yeah. those people would be much, much more willing to buy, to buy the car as soon as humanly possible, very similarly to say an iPhone, where an iPhone, you put down a thousand bucks for, for the iPhone pre-order and then a couple of weeks you get it. I don't know if the RoboTaxi compact car is gonna be within that time frame, but it makes a lot of sense that it would be compressed as much as humanly possible, which implies that production has to be built up before you say, hey, come on down and start buying the car, right? So maybe that's what they talk about because you know they, they say discuss generation three platform. I could see that as, as a likely scenario where they're like, hey, this is our plans for how we're thinking about the the, the compact car. You know, there's a factory in Mexico going up that's going to help us build this. There's, uh, uh, we're going to expand uh, Austin. We're going to expand uh, Giga Shanghai. We're going to put, I don't know, Indonesia, UK. These are all part of the plan. But we're not going to plan on announcing the the reservations or how this car looks until we're very, very close to allowing people to buy the car. And I think a signal we'll see for this, if this is true, is if we start seeing leaks for the car ahead of them announcing it. Because if you start a production process, and thank you for putting this up, producer, I think you can take it down. Um, if you get to the point where you are trying to get the supply chain ready and the factory lines ready to announce this, you're now involving tens of thousands of people in the process of the supply chain, the materials, the raw materials, the the um, uh, the batteries, the design, like just, just this entire supply chain starts getting activated. And that, uh, introduces points of leakage, right? Terrible term, I'm sorry, but points of <laughs> leakage, right? And so that's what happens with the iPhone. That's why the iPhone is no secret anymore. It's because for Apple to be able to bring you that iPhone uh, within two to four weeks of you placing the, the order, they've had to activate this entire supply chain to get everything ready so that you can get it in two to four weeks time. If Tesla does that and we start seeing leaks for that robo-taxi, that's exactly what's happening. And that's your signal. That's your signal well, that says that this is in the works. Go ahead. I do think there's a chance that you wouldn't see that any of that leakage because odds are they're going to do their best to reuse the same parts that they have. Right. So have similar inverters, for example, similar motors, right? Like they're going to try to make things as like for like where, ah. where maybe they use one motor instead of two, right. Or you know, stuff like that. It's so they, vertically they integrated. Problem. They'll be able to yeah, hide it. Exactly. And I see, I think like, I think the big, the big signal will be to watch Idra and see what they're building and see what they're working on. You know, I, I, I don't think it's possible, but I still think that they may try to do a single piece car. I don't think it's possible just because there are like so many like little channels and areas that you have to like kind of form out that I don't think you, you could do that. Um, I, I might be wrong. I mean, I, I think there's always a way to do anything. We just haven't thought of it yet. But 
if, if they could do that, like that alone would be game changing. Right. And, and again, we would be blind to it because we would see hey, there's a, a nine or 10 ton gigapress and, Oh, that's just another cyber truck gigapress. Right. Like that's what we would be thinking. So again, it could hide in plain sight very easily. Um, can yeah. I stoke the fires of that real quick? Did you see Sawyer's yeah, post from it. this morning? So can you pull nope. up the last link there? Um, producer wife news tesla china sorry no the next one we'll, we'll talk about well, actually let's since we have it up we'll talk about it tesla china extends delivery wait time for two versions of the model y to two to five weeks following price cuts that's positive that, that means is, that that's, that's why we're moving that's a lot of demand yeah so let's pull up the, the other link news this was uh two and a half hours ago tesla giga press maker idra has announced on linkedin that another brand new nine thousand ton gigapress is ready for shipping on its way to asia okay okay so oh go, go ahead you have more no please oh yeah so so okay so this was gonna be the other thing about why i don't think they'll announce like uh robo taxi or a cheaper model in in uh on march 1st is because and i think you would agree that this vehicle will first go live in china not yes 100 percent and it would almost be can i cuss on here fuck yeah it'd be fucked up if they did not announce this new model vehicle in china in my opinion it'd be almost disrespectful like i feel like it's the whole idea of this was supposed to be china design by china etc right and maybe you'll have the same thing in europe or whatever but the first place would be in china so I feel like that is where where it would happen in China. And then now we see this gigapress going to China. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. So so yeah, so so that's the other reason why I don't think like a vehicle or whatever. I mean, I think they'll talk about it. Yeah, we're working on next generation. We want it to be half the cost, half whatever, like that's the goal, et cetera. And we hope to unveil something, you know, later this year or soon next year. Like, I think it'll be stuff like that. Uh, yeah. but but yeah, but that's that's very interesting. I, I didn't see that. Yeah. Does that does that uh, tickle your fancy when you, when you saw that that there's a gigapress going to China? Because I mean, yeah, it lines I mean, up directly with what you're saying. Like, yeah, one could make the argument. The, the only thing is, like, keep in mind too, though. I think um, a lot of these startup Chinese manufacturers are also starting to uh, to use uh, gigapresses. So, or yeah. So I don't know if you know, maybe this is for someone else. But can you pull that up again, producer wife? Let's see if there's something on there that would give us a clue. Uh, maybe the color scheme. The, the Idra Gigapress thing, if you can bring it back up when you get a chance. Because there might be something on that post. Can you uh, can you maximize that? Can you make the video like big? Yeah, on the bottom right corner. Perfect. Yeah, that's how we like is there, it. Is there any? <laughs> but um, psh, let's get demonetized. Um, <laughs> is, there, <laughs> is there anything on there? No, maybe not. I would wonder, anybody in the comments, any investigative journalists that we have, is there any way to tell from this video that this is a Tesla specific um, thing? I mean, the red, like, why is it red? That's kind of odd to me. Like, why would it be red? I feel well, like, that, um, go ahead. I mean, so with a lot of so like, people can uh, see it's moving. I don't work for either or anything, right? But a yeah. lot of times with uh, mechanical machinery, you'll have, you know, things that are moving, right? Like this, it's not just that it's moving, right? Those rams are pushing out and back uh, through yeah. those hydraulic lines on the left, but it's also that 
Um, it's, those are all hydraulic lines area. So I, sometimes it's like this, the red zone, like don't go here, hands Makes away sense. from this area. So a lot of times you get colored for pinch points, hands can get crushed here. This yeah. could be explosive, right? So that tends to be why color makes happen. sense. OSHA's wet dream right there. It's moving yeah, stuff yeah. in well, red. Yeah. Yeah. For the right <laughs> reasons, because it's dangerous. Uh, <laughs> Talk about demonetizing. We're using all kinds here. of innuendo. <laughs> sorry, everybody. If you have your kids listening, sorry. <laughs> uh, they already know. Yeah, <laughs> they, they do, actually. <laughs> Surprise. Let's do, uh, I know you have to go here soon. Let's uh, let's do Q&A. Um, if, if anybody wants to ask a question uh, while, while we're talking here, um, Let's put question before your question. Drop it in the comments, and then Nick and I will uh, will hit them as we go. And the producer wife will only bring up the best ones, the best ones, which are all Horizontal. of them. So, go ahead. Quick, quick question to you: Do, yeah. do you do you agree with what I'm saying that uh, they'll probably make like a product announcement in China when they announce the? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, because there's there's multiple reasons why. Number one is I think before COVID, Elon was very open about saying that this they want to make a car specific for china with chinese design and chinese like like inspired by chinese art like they've they've talked about this and if there's one thing that i've learned about chinese culture is that stuff like this goes a long way and and they really value this because they're very culturally proud of, of where they've come from and you know it's, it's a very culturally rich part of the world like my goodness like you know i'm persian and persians are very proud of of where they come from and they're you know we the persian empire and all this good stuff I know that the Chinese culture is very similar in that way. They're very proud of being Chinese. So I think having that, um, oh yeah, I do want to address the poll results. Bring them up, hey, producer wife, when yeah, you get a chance. Go ahead. And, and give me, give me one second. I just think something's at my door. Give me one second. Right no back. problem. Yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll go on a on a thing here. Um, here, I'll remove you. Monologue for like two seconds until Nick comes back. I think the. Uh, oh my god! Why is it so weird now? I'm like, I'm like nervous. I do this like a thousand times a day. Um, yeah, I think Tom. Zhu coming out and doing interviews around him saying that they're looking forward to designing a, a compact car for China is a big deal. And I think that tells me that the it will definitely be first for China. That's one. Number two, the fact that the way the market is panning out, playing out in China, they're going to do extremely well if they're able to put a cheaper car into the market that's going to help them, say, fight off this quote-unquote BYD competitor. BYD is putting out incredible amounts of car, like super props on the way they're ramping. But most of them are hybrids, and most of them are in a class or two below what Tesla sells in that market. So that type of car is going to do extremely well in that region. And it's going to be one that's going to be very helpful for them to reach the $20 million per unit car uh in the in the market so those two things tell me that for sure for sure they're going to put that car out in china first I, did you hear all of that yeah yep yeah you had your headphones in yeah, yeah so I, I love that you said that about uh byd and like you know the hybrid part i think a lot of people talk about that but i don't think a lot of people talk about it's a different segment it's not exactly the model y model three segment and so i would say not all deliveries or all volume are created equal yeah for sure for sure. And then we have the poll results as well. Uh, producer wife with her sick producing skills. She's got a freaking moving banner at the bottom. My goodness. For Tesla stock, we opened up a poll. Are there more dot, 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 positive catalysts, negative catalysts? 82% say there are more positive catalysts than negative catalysts. And 466 people voted on the poll. Um, 
you know, this channel is like, I think 95% bulls. So I'm not surprised by the results. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think most people based on responded feel like we have more positive ahead of us, but the way you've painted the picture around the negative catalyst, like especially around that Q1, like the Q4 call and the verbiage that Elon could put out there around, uh, recession and getting ready for a potential downturn, I think could spook a lot of people. I think that's a hundred percent right. It's just a question yeah. of how much of that is already priced in. Yeah, but my negative on Tesla stock, you know, the the price action has nothing really to do with Tesla. It's it's right. it's the macro and what the macro inflicts on the Tesla, you know? So whether that means lower margins, whether that means, you know, having to reduce costs for more demand, like that's that's happening because of what we are right now. It's unequivocal, right? I mean, all this stuff about is it Twitter? Is it not? Is it Elon tweeting? All, like, look, I'm sorry. None of that's affecting demand in China. It's not. It's it's macro. And that's why they're having lower prices. And eventually, the opposite will happen again. And we'll be in a world where Tesla has to raise prices again. But, you know, like it, it's when Tesla cuts prices, they have a demand issue. When, when Tesla raises prices, well, it's because they're trying to gouge their buyers or or because uh, they need they, higher they prices to make enough. it affordable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that like like it's there's never a win-win, but yeah. we can at least try to understand why it's happening and, you know, let's not be blind to the economy right now. No, great points. Very balanced. That's why I value your opinion so much is cuz you are a Tesla bull for sure, but I think you're able to separate signal for, for from noise for near-term trends irregardless if it is positive or negative for tesla and that's why i value your opinion and make sure you go check out his channel investing against the grain we'll pull it up before we go out producer wife if you can have that stage for the end that would be amazing but let's do q a here for the next 10 minutes uh, i definitely want to keep you longer than i than i than i have to so i know you have stuff to do so let's go ahead and pull up some questions producer wife we'll hit them as quick as you can go as many as we can and then we start with trevor i'll give you the first answer for all of these and then uh if there's anything i, I need to add i'll add question thoughts on new platform being profitable to the same extent as current margins fantastic question how do you think about this why don't you answer? Let me think about it. <laughs> okay, no problem. That's fair. So it's it's heavily dependent on what Tesla's strategy is to get this thing out in the market. All right. So I think the margin question is sort of a is like a red herring for for the robo taxi or this compact car. Because think about the two implications here. And this is all rooted from the thesis that says that if Tesla were to release a twenty to thirty thousand dollar car, depending on the market, that it would do incredibly well. I think that that's where the thesis of a Tesla bull comes from, is that compact car for Tesla is going to do nuts. The question between are they going to make a lot of money or destroy the competition, I think is irrelevant. I think them announcing a car period is the is the positive, is like the good thing. And it all comes down to how much production is Tesla going to be able to create to sell this into the market. I think by the nature of Tesla's, in my opinion, as a Tesla bull and a biased Tesla person, in my opinion, I think Tesla has a product superior, superiority that is still nowhere close to being matched. It's just that what Tesla offers from a total package perspective, value per dollar spent on a vehicle, Tesla, I think, is a factor of one, uh, two to three times better than any other vehicle, in my opinion. And that will lend itself to, okay, how does that line up with Tesla's ability to produce? 
if Tesla's production is at a point that can they can flood the market with this incredible bang for your buck, they will benefit from a profit perspective if there if that demand outweighs that ability to produce. And if they can somehow align the production to be lined up with that incredible demand, then they won't make as much margin as they could because they've decided to just flood the market with this thing. But two things hold true with this strategy. That's that's true for both. Tesla wins. Tesla wins. Because profit implication is that Tesla makes a gigantic amount of money. Volume implication means that nobody else is going to buy anything else but that compact car. And everybody else is in ruins. <laughs> okay? So that's how I think about this question. That's a long answer, but that's yeah. I think that's the equation. What do you think? Yeah, so... All right, so here I'll unpack a little bit more about my my optimistic thought. So I mentioned about the idea of new gigafactories or them building the the next generation platform in China, right? I think, and I I wouldn't have thought this until again I watched the All In podcast. If you're not watching, it, you're missing it out. Did you know that labor in Mexico is two is one third of the labor yeah. costs in China right now. Yeah. So if that's the strategy is to build these in China and Mexico, plus whatever efficiencies they get, if they do single piece casting, if they do less batteries in the car, go down a single motor, whatever you go on and on where they can make cost savings, they have a smaller vehicle, then maybe not the same margins that they have right now, but doesn't need to be at that point. Right. Maybe the margins are 22%, 23% in the 20s. Right. I think that'll be good because don't forget the real margin amplifier is autonomy. So when you throw that on top of it, like that's where things get, you know, nutty. And that's assuming no robo taxis even. Right. Like it's so, right. so I think, I think they know what they're doing. I think there's a reason we're starting to see stuff in, in Mexico. I think there's a reason why it's going to be a it's been marketed as a china built vehicle so so yeah that's kind of my thought that's a great thought yeah mexico labor cost being one third of that of china is like the implications of that are nuts because the model three think about it this way the model three in china is thirty three thousand starting in the states i think it's forty six thousand. so that's a seventeen thousand dollar gap that is mostly due to labor labor yeah. And and some raw materials that you can source from from that local standpoint, which Mexico is it's extremely resource rich, uh, a lot of lithium, a lot of raw materials in Mexico. So it has a lot of benefits. And then the labor cost in Mexico is one third of China. So that Model Three in Mexico, they could probably produce for twenty eight thousand, twenty seven thousand. Yeah. So imagine what that that's going to do to the compact car, right? Yeah. Forget it. Oh, I mean, these are very rough numbers, but that's that's the math. That's how it plays out, but, right? Yeah, seriously. Like, if if you think Giga Shanghai is the most cost optimate uh, optimized factory, I mean, Mexico yeah. could be the most cost optimized factory. And and in my experience with the different industries I've been part of, nobody works harder than Mexicans. Dude, legit, legit. Especially living in Mexico, bro. Like, like. Mexicans have a have a reputation of just dude everywhere I look and I hope this doesn't sound racist but holy shit they freaking they work man and it's and it, yeah. the, the work ethic is nuts it's very similar yeah. to that Chinese culture is like it, it's it's just true it's like they just have a culture of just hard work at all costs because they're proud 
they're proud yeah. of that hard work and they and they want to you know care for their family they want to go out there and hustle and, and make it happen so it's beautiful i love it yeah i really do and then okay and then here's here's this question is like so fascinating yeah. take that so you have incredible work culture right very proud people beautiful people you have labor costs from a you know economic perspective global economy perspective that are one third that of china's right and then you have a um factory going in theoretically in mexico that's going to be the most automated of any factory that tesla has built so you have incredible culture for for work ethic you have one third of the labor cost in china and you have as little humans as humanly needed for the factory no and you know what the best part is right it, it falls under the whole North American, like for the tax credit. Like, I mean, the batteries can Don't be even made get me started. The <laughs> right there over the board. I mean, like it's, and, and on top of that, it's there. It seems, I mean, there's signs, welcome Tesla and all like, it seems like they're trying to, you know, get things going before they make announcements now, which is yeah, it's beautiful. Nice. What a great strategy, right? And they're almost using like this period and craziness to like switch that strategy up. And it's kind of like sandbag, taking advantage to sandbag potentially. Again, this is our optimism coming out. But if they're doing that from a strategic perspective, boy, like they're talk about loading up a spring. And I, I meant to say living in Austin. I don't know what I said. Producer wife said living in Austin asterisk. That's what I meant to say. We live in Texas in Austin. That was the thing. All right, yeah, let's do, let's do, oh, I meant to say Austin. Bro, like the tacos are so good. I don't know what to tell you. You don't know where you are half the time. Uh, let's do a couple more if we can. So the yeah, next yeah. one. Uh, from Vatsa, question. Looks like stock buyback and Twitter CEO selection talks have stopped. Are they not positive catalysts? Thanks. Um, how do you think about this one? Yeah, I think, I don't think the stock buyback's really that big of a catalyst for for the short term. I, I think they're probably better off just keeping that cash on hand right now. And... I think whenever they decide to buy back stock, that will probably be a signal. But I, I think Elon's been too close to. I mean, we see this. Like we we all know the history. He's been so close to bankruptcy so many times, so many different companies. He, why? Why do a stock buyback for what? He already thinks it's gonna be the most valuable company in the world. Like why? Just to make some returns on it. Right now, cash is king. Okay. Yeah, I think I think stock stock buyback will be a signal if it does happen that says that Tesla literally doesn't know what to do with its cash. And so it's going to own more of itself. And it's a signal that says that the an already strained uh, outlook that Elon has for the economy is not enough for them to feel like they need to stock up on cash. So I, that's the signal, right? Elon very publicly says, economy is going to be trash. I'm preparing for the worst. I'm telling everybody to prepare for the worst. Oh, and by the way, we're going to use our cash to buy more of ourselves. That's the signal that says we have all the cash we need and we're going to be fine. So that that's a beautiful thing. I, it might be, I think it is a positive catalyst. I really do think so. And I think it will happen. I think it will happen just because it's like it's as a public company you have a fiduciary duty to you know do these kind of things. And then Twitter CEO um, you were going to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask, but but do you think that the buyback happens like March first? I think there's a chance. I think I think if because the China that that I have to think about this more, but that China Sawyer that just reported this morning, the China wait times going up because of this price cut to me says 
that in a part of the world that has had a lot of hardships in their economy, there's still a lot of demand for Teslas at the right price, and they're still going to be making money on that. I don't know, man. That that yeah. that has a lot of good implications, right? That okay. starts painting a rosy picture. Um, but again, it's just one data point. We need more. Mm -hmm. And then Twitter CEO selection. I mean, he already said he's going to announce somebody, regardless of who it is. I don't think it matters. So I think the Twitter stuff is like... I think it's inconsequential. Really, the, the only thing that happens with Twitter now moving forward is how much of a tool does it become to ensure that Tesla demand in the long term is as high as humanly possible. That's about it. Yeah, I think the Twitter noise is kind of over with now. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part, I, he'll pick a CEO eventually. I don't think it's going to happen soon, to be honest. Uh, again, listen to all in podcasts, just listening to, I think it was David Sachs was being asked about it, or maybe it was a different interview I watched. I don't know. But he was essentially saying like, yeah, Elon will step down as CEO, but he still has more stuff to do, right? Like it's, it's not done. Like there's more things to do. He's got to find the right person. He's not going to rush into anybody. So yeah, which yeah. is the right thing to do. Yeah, to exactly. Be a good business leader. Do you have time for one more? We'll do a yeah. one quick one. All right, let's do one more. Ba -ba -da -da. I got time let's for talk about more, it. But two more perfect look at that yeah. you're so you're so kind with your time uh question is there any info on mega packs profits boosting q4 this has been a topic that's one of my catalysts for the next three months is i think i think energy has a chance to surprise i don't know what that i don't know if it's going to be material enough to like add i don't know a billion dollars to the bottom line for the quarter i, I just don't think that's I don't, I don't see how that's possible but it could become the uptick could be something like say q3 was I think if I remember correctly, it was about a billion in revenue. If it's like 1.5 billion in Q4 or 1.6 billion in Q4, and with the news of Lathrop coming online and not being fully ramped yet, that could have a lot of implications for Q for 2023. Um, the profitability piece of it, you know, they a lot less moving parts, um, much simpler to build. I think there's and plus the EV tax or the IRA tax credits they get from it, but. I don't know how big of a material impact it's going to have in Q4. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it'll have that much of an impact on Q4. Um, I, you know, I, I think up until like last month, people haven't been too bullish on the energy. But I, again, you know, I, I believe in Elon and I think he knows a lot of the stuff better than I. And he thinks the energy business will be bigger, bigger or bigger or just as big as the vehicle side of it. So to me, Eventually, this does become very meaningful, but I think in Q4, we're still not there as far as it being meaningful to where Wall Street looks at or analysts take it seriously. So Q4, maybe not big news, but uh, by the end of this year, might be a different story. I agree, 100%. Last one. Ba -ba -da -da. Who gets the last question? Tony Devera. He comes on the channel quite often. Thank you, Tony. Question, what margins does Tesla Energy have to show before it actually gets included in the stock valuation? Yeah, this is sort of like a continuation of the discussion. Um, I mean, right now, if I remember correctly, it's at nine, like somewhere in the nine to 10% range or so uh, based on the last quarter. I think, I mean, it, it has to show a continue, like say it goes up to 12%. Or it goes up to 15%. If there's improvement quarter over quarter, I think it will force analysts to take part, to, to have to add it. Because if you don't, you're missing out on, I don't know, a dollar to EPS in the next year or two. That's significant. That's, yeah. you know, that's 10 to 20% of the Tesla valuation story. How do you think about this one? Yeah, no, I agree. Like one, and I don't think we're going to see real margins until we hit more volume, 
right? I think that's sure. kind of like the linchpin. And so with Lathrop, that's where we start to get a volume, and that's where we can slowly start seeing margins come in. I mean, if you look at it compared to the last few quarters, it's actually looking better than what it was, right? So, so there are signs of optimism there, but it's volume. They need to get the volume, and you know, maybe a slowdown like is happening right now, even if it's demand issues, so-called, whatever, it, it gives an opportunity for energy to to pick up pick up the reins or pick up the slack. So I think either way, it's it's going to be uh, positive. But but yeah, I think Mass Plant Part 3 is going to be about this, about Tesla energy. I agree. I, I, it's going to be one of its biggest, it's going to be battery volume, and it's going to be how we're going to get energy to finally be the same size as, as cars, which is like, again, nobody's talking about yeah. it. And it's like right there. It's it's here. We just have to we just have to start valuing it. So, all right, man, we've reached the time. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's plug a couple of your things because you do such great work. Go ahead and pull up his uh, his YouTube channel, if you don't mind. Producer Wife, Investing Against the Grain. That's the second to last link I put in the private chat there. Uh, talk a little bit about what you do and uh, take us off. Yeah. So here's a whole bunch of shorts. You just uh, got married, by the way. Yeah. It's just, uh, we do a lot of shorts about family stuff. Um, but, but yeah, so my channel is essentially investing in the way probably most people listening to invest, essentially going all in or diversifying very little. I'm essentially all in in Tesla. I have cash and I have real estate. So that's pretty much all I do. Um, I will tell you now, I am changing kind of the format of my channel where I'm going to go down to doing kind of one video a week, uh, more so probably live stream, uh, maybe on Fridays. I haven't decided when, but the idea is to, you know, connect more with people and get more questions and just be, I don't know, focus on more longer format. Uh, I prefer those. This is a passion project for me. So it's not like, uh, it's my day job. Um, so I, I want to focus on that being the passion of it and with the community and, and not worrying about having shorter videos or anything like that. Right. I want to, want to be able to get nuance. If I want to bring people in, talk questions and, and just have fun with everybody for, for a little bit. So that's probably gonna be the new format of the channel. Um, as far as me, uh, I've been an investor since I was about 13 years old. Um, I am a engineer by degree. And I've gone from mechanical to electrical to software to, to you name it. So I kind of, I'm kind of uh, versed in all phases of engineering, yet maybe not an expert in any of them. <laughs> so nice. So jack of all uh, trade, master of all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> master of none. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is your Twitter as well, uh, Nicholas Gibbs, Nick's, yeah. uh, Nick Gibbs, I A G. Uh, make sure you go follow him. Let's make let's get him to at least a thousand followers. My goodness, let's get him to ten thousand. Can we do yeah, it? Yeah, I, I get a lot of. Uh, how do I find your Twitter? Like nobody can ever find my Twitter. <laughs> it's like my my YouTube handle is too long to put in there as the handle. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have a very difficult one to find. But make sure you go follow him at Nick Gibbs N I C K G I B B S I A G on Twitter. Nico, thank you so much, man. Always a always yeah, a pleasure. I feel like we can talk for freaking hours. Very uh, very grateful to have you as a as a friend, as somebody I can talk Tesla with. And I hope this was valuable for everybody. I think the back and forth was helpful. And I and I very very happy that we have like we're not a hundred percent like we actually are in different buckets and a lot of things. We're both Tesla bulls, but we're thinking about the short term very differently, which I think uh, lends itself to great discussion. So thanks again, man. Really appreciate you, and I hope you have a great rest of your day, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. 
Same to you, and thank you to producer wife for you know all the hard work here and uh, just parting words. You know, at the end of the day, when we're investing, look where you think you're going, work your way backwards from there, and you should be in a good spot. Beautifully said, man. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody listening in. Thank you in the comments. Thank you for keeping it respectful. Hope this was uh, valuable. And last but not least, like Nico said, thank you, producer wife, for another amazing job. Thank you for supporting this little uh, project of mine that has, is is becoming. Uh, bigger by the day because of everybody's help and I, I just I'm so eternally grateful to everybody and to people like you Nico so thank like, you very subscribe. much <laughs> like and subscribe I'm a youtuber now let's do it <laughs> thank you everybody we'll see you in the next one take it easy everybody bye